Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Today's guest is somebody who is just absolute joy to be around. I just would describe him as the word delightful. Like he is so nice, is a business owner in Melbourne and is in the process currently of opening his second salon and I thought would be an incredible person to talk to because he's just very real. So I am talking to Pete Dunn, owner of Frankie's Salons in Melbourne. And we walk through everything, how he started in the industry from working in a coffee shop beside a hair salon and getting his foot in the door and really the power of just believing in yourself and backing yourself. And that opportunity comes that way when you are willing to work for it and have the confidence in yourself. So went from working in a salon, working for another salon, managing really high end, seeing all the finer details in what sets salons apart. And then how he went into opening his own salon. And that was something he'd always wanted. I think there's people who get into the industry who that is their dream from day one. I will own my own salon and people who that's not the case at all. So Pete definitely always wanted his own and you will see, I'll tag the Instagram and link it to the bios and all the platforms that I'll be sharing this on because what he's done is created this incredibly inviting and warm, like you just feel, feel the love and feel the energy that he puts into this and his team and his staff and everything from looking at it. And they are the highest rated Google salon, I think would be, you know, the term, maybe not in the world, but they have over 300 five-star reviews and talk about how that, that is important to growing your business and things like that behind the scenes that really matter. And that's something I've been really learning about as well during my time off looking into how, how to grow a business, whether you're just an individual in a salon or whether it's your own business and understanding those analytics that sometimes as hairdressers, we don't think about like people using Google or anything like that. So that was really interesting. I wanted to know how they came up with the name Frankie Salon because Pete's name is Pete, not Frankie. And every time I think to message him or say something, I want to call him Pete. So I was like, why did you confuse us like this? How did this happen? So he goes through that. And now we are going to talk about 
also opening the second salon and how that happened and how he approached a lady who owned it. He walked by, saw the salon, felt the feeling and went in and said to her, if you are thinking of selling, I want to buy. And so he walks us through that whole process. And I just think it's so incredible. You manifest what you want. And he has done that. And we've even spoken now about doing a part two where we are going to talk literally breaking down all of the finances. So what it costs to buy the chairs, what it costs to buy um, the basins, your tax every year, paying people super. So all of these things that when you are an employee, sometimes you're like, I don't understand. I'm generating this much money a week and this is my paycheck. Where is the rest of that money going? I'm feeling a bit ripped, but understanding that from a business perspective and a salon owner, that there are so much more behind the scenes that goes on and expenses and costs and products and all of this. So he is someone who is just so transparent and I really appreciate taking the time in the middle of launching a second salon during a pandemic made time for me is very flattering and humbling. And I really appreciate people taking the time to share their knowledge to better the industry and really allow people to have the knowledge that they maybe wish they knew. So dive into this episode of myself and Pete Dunn, owner of Frankie Salons in Melbourne. Today, I am sitting down and chatting with Pete Dunn, who I just like, I just think you are the most most delightful person that I'm just so excited (laughs) to chat with you anyway. But I think that, yeah, you've got this incredible brand and this aura about you and your company. And I just want to pick it apart and know how you've done it. I'm already blushing. (laughs) <laughs> that's so nice well for the people on um, spotify it'll be good but on youtube we're gonna see you <laughs> yeah no i know no no that's so lovely of you to say and i'm so happy to be here and thank you for taking the time to make me one of your guests it's so oh my exciting gosh. well i just know that you would be so busy you are in the process of opening your second salon in melbourne right now which is incredible in the situation that we're in. I mean, we are still in the never ending lockdown of Melbourne and for you to be opening a second salon, I know it's been a long time coming that to be doing it in this, I think is such a a massive achievement to be able to be in a position that your business is thriving to do that. I think it's incredible. Thank you. It's, um, I, I often ask myself why, why would, why would I put myself through this? Um, but I'm in it now and we're just, you know, it's, it's happening. So yeah. I'm happy as that. Yeah. And it, we're hopefully at the end of what is this uh, absolute roller coaster of a year. Hopefully that we're done. Well, now. I know that this has been a project for you for quite a while. I had the inside scoop maybe before some people yeah. did. I like to think you really did. <laughs> I'm trying Let's to remember. start at the beginning and just kind of the main thing I want to pick your brain about is the business aspect and how you got into that. But you started hairdressing in a little bit of a unique way. You used to work at a cafe beside a hair salon, right? And that's, that's how you exactly. came, yes. became aware of the industry kind of. I, um, I started at, I just worked at this cafe while I was in at school and then I became really good friends with the girls next door, which was, which was a hairdresser. And I actually ended up spending more time in there than I did at school. And then I remember this conversation and I was in there one day and I was like wagging school to go to the salon. And I was like, this is silly. I just need to make this 
my job and then I'll be happy as. And it has been, it's, it has been a roller coaster of a ride since I actually started that journey. And the girls at that salon were just the best. It was a family run business. And I think I had this platform and this love and this care that really just transformed my, my view on hairdressing and also pr- just put me into the future and went, um, cause you saw what they just, were doing and were like, I could be very successful doing this. Yeah. I loved it. Like, yeah. I was never like being, I was like, as soon as I was there, I was like, Oh, I don't want to leave, but I'm also working and making money and I'm making people really happy. Um, I you have the, the personality for, for that anyway, you know, that just like being around people would give you a buzz that then you're giving that back to them. So yeah. I think it seems like a perfect fit for you. But it was funny because I would have never thought I would be a hairdresser. But the fact that I met these people and then all of a sudden I was just, and no joke from them saying, you're going to be fine and we'll teach you to me cutting hair was a matter of six months. Really? And yeah. And, and I was so just, I and read I like, in your little bio that you gave me that you did not enjoy no one TAFE. No, no. <laughs> No one, no one knows this. I feel like I'm bringing myself undone. I'm like, I don't even know whether I'm a qualified hairdresser, but I. Because it's not like in America where you have to have a license or anything, or in Canada, you have to have a license here. You don't really have to have that, correct? No, absolutely not. Um, But (laughs) I'm just thinking back. I was like, I remember when I was like, they're like, yeah, we'll get you enrolled in school. And you'll do it. And I remember going and then thinking, I hate this. And I didn't understand any of the things they were talking about and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not getting any of this. I just know that like, if I'm, I'm so visual, that if I get shown something once, you'll pick it, I up. Do it a few times, which I, I think it. is really interesting and really good for people who are coming into this industry to hear that people who are successful and people like you and I who love it, like I live, breathe, everything I do is hair. I'm obsessed with it. Like I love it, but I hated hair school. Like I went to college for a hate year it. and I hated it. And everyone's like, what? How could you hate it if you love it? And I'm like, nah, it's still school. Yeah. You're still going, you're sitting at a desk. Like yeah, they're still telling you that you're wrong. You're still having to write. You're still having to read, retain so the information. So I think that, that then... can be discouraging for people who have had this dream, like me maybe, who wanted to be a hairdresser forever. And then I get to hair school and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I don't mm. know if I like this, but it's completely different worlds, hair school and being in the salon. 100%. And I remember I've got an apprentice now who is me to a T and hates <laughs> school like every absolutely cannot stand it doesn't want to go and I'm like I know like I was you so I'm like you're in the best possible place to be because I'll get you over that line and we'll get you there because I'm like I don't know so many people push and push and push school and it's like yes I understand it's a fundamental part but you've got to figure out your learning style and then sort of you can't just put everyone in one box and go this is what we do and this is how we do it it's like okay you learn like this let's let's you know go to your strengths to make sure that we'll teach you all the things you need to know and then we'll help you fill out the writing. But as long as you know how to do it, you'll be fine. Yeah. And I think that's what makes you a really good boss and somebody who people would enjoy working for is that you understand that there is a difference in the way everybody learns and that you're tailoring it to them. And somebody who works for you might love TAFE and love going to school. And that's, you know. Had it. I've had them as well. And they thrive. They go there, they get all their absolute nerds. They get all their book work done and that's that's the way that their, 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 their brain works so it's yeah. fantastic but there's t- definitely two types of learning and I was certainly the other type of 
totally visual and hands-on and just throw me in and sure I might mess it up a few times but eventually I'll get it yeah <laughs> and, totally. we'll and you still are doing hair now right and now you are a business owner and we'll get into that but you still do clients as well I, I, I do so many I'm on the floor I can't actually we're trying to drip feed me off the floor and it really <laughs> isn't um it's not working it's really so you not are enjoying I'm, both aspects the business and the still doing a hundred percent that's yeah. amazing I've had to um I'm an absolute control freak by nature. Um, so for me to have quality control over my business and that's a reflection of me and then also being make, making sure that my clients looked after and my staff looked after, I've had to learn how to manage all of those expectations. Um, yes. But we're doing it and it's working. So it's so really exciting. It's, it's lots of fun. So when you started at that salon, you kind of did what we would call like an apprenticeship, right? Like you, you did your training through them and then yes. you ended up managing another salon quite quickly after that. How did that kind of happen? And did you want that management role? How did you fall into a management role? So I went to, I'd done three years. I'd done my apprenticeship, let's just say. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't technically finished, but I was like, I was really on the floor there. I was working back-to-back clients of the day. And I had a really, I think at the time I thought I had a really good hand on things about what I was doing. I probably didn't looking back now, but <laughs> at, I remember at that time thinking I need to, if I stay here forever, I'm not, this is going to be me done. And I need to go at, like, I'm so, I was so comfortable so early that I wanted to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, I want to be okay with being uncomfortable. So I was That's like, let's grow. just go. Let's just go. Let's just go. And I remember walking down, what prompted me to, to move, there was, I was walking down Glenferry Road in Hawthorne and there was this big salon and I'd come from like a tiny little baby salon and there was this like, you know, 20 seats either side, massive. And I was like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And there was a sign saying we're hiring and I was like, oh, Meant to be. maybe that, that's what happened. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I walked in and I spoke to the receptionist and she's like, yep, just email your CV. That afternoon I got a phone call saying, can you come back this afternoon? We want to interview you. Um, met my Couldn't boss. you have just done that while I was here? <laughs> met um, the owner of the salon and lied about everything and said, yep, I've been qualified for two years on the floor, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, all right, let's get you in for a trade. And I was like, oh God, I'll never find out. Now they will. And went in there, did a trades test, took my mum and my girlfriend in, did the trades test, remember dying the whole way. I had never used a Veda color before. Have you used okay. a Veda before? No, and it's freaking complicated, I had come from like, it? it's quite complicated and it, it, my mom, I took him two blondes, both have tints and the blondes pro- process really dark. Like, even though they're, they're blonde, like you look at the tint and it looks like it's black on their head. <laughs> so I remember yourself. like, I died, I died. And I put their colors and I was like, well, I failed because their hair's going to be black. No, you didn't say to them, I've never used a Veda color before. Like you didn't want them to know kind of. No, they, they, they helped me mix the color. Okay, when okay. I was, when it, when it was on, I was like, it's black. Like. I don't know what's happening. It's, it's, I've ruined it. Anyway, all rinsed out and it was fine. Got the job, started like two weeks later. And then I remember just being in there and I'd come from such a, my salon background was like super, it was like a family. It was like super yeah, laid mom back. And pop shop kind really, of. Yeah. So like no real structure to anything. Like just everyone was, it was really lovely, but I craved structure yeah. and I craved. And this was like the opposite. It was like, you know, everyone gets tea and water on arrival. Everyone gets a sensory journey. There's structure. Everyone gets rebooked. Everyone gets recommended retail. Yeah. And it was, 
aspects of, I loved, I also, it was like a regime and it was so busy and so professional. And I was like, there has to be a happy medium between where people are getting this beautiful service, but also having that really personable, relaxed side as well. Which is exactly what I've been looking for. I came from that as well. And I was like, I do love this. But there's also a part of me that just wants to show up in my Converse and a pair of ripped jeans and just be a bit more chilled, you know, but it's hard to eliminate those things that have refined you so much. And like, I think it's really important to have that in your career to pick and choose and to be able to acknowledge those professional aspects. Yes. And I think it's really important because I think people crave structure. Like people need, that's like, it's in our DNA to, you know, have a routine and have structure and have um organized chaos that's what i love um but if it's just chaos it's stressful totally so i think what i've been trying to do with my business is make sure that i have really great structure for everyone a system to everything but also have that flexibility where you do you and you be great and have that sort of freedom um and so when you were working there did you always have this vision of wanting to own your own business or like how did that evolve from working for somebody to now owning your own so from when i started i always said i'd have a salon before i was 30 was my okay goal. amazing from 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 the get-go so i, I had to love that knowing change. other people's journeys because so many people are not that way and would never want a salon like that was yeah. never something i ever thought about and i was like nope hairdressers are so annoying and i just don't want them. <laughs> and then some people have that vision right off the bat so i love that so i and I have got such a strong opinion that I'm always right. So clashing with other bosses and being yeah. like, why are you doing like this? Or why are you doing that? It's like, well, I can't keep working for people if I, and keep clashing. And I was re- like, I would clash in a lovely way, but I'd be like, you're really doing it wrong. And I know there's a better way. Yeah. So I was like, I just need to have my own and I have no boss. So I can just be like, great. It's my way. I'm not, no one can challenge me. And, and you obviously like you hadn't gone to school for business or a uni degree and anything like that. So how have you gone from working for somebody to now being a business owner? It, there, lots of challenges, <laughs> but so there is, there's a, I, there's a bit of a story. So Tell my, us. when I, which we love, so I have, I worked for this massive salon, managed it forever. And I literally ran that salon like it was my own. The boss who was there for 20 years went off and had children and pretty much just left me in there and was like, do it. Um, and it grew. It grew really, really quickly. And it was, Incredible. we had the best team and it was so much fun. And then as I started to get older, they could, t- I was like, I know I need to go. And they were promising, they were like, we're going to do a sell-on together and we'll go in and we'll have this partnership and blah, 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 which I think their intention was really good, but their execution was really poor. So it got yeah. to a point where I was like two years of conversation, no yeah. action. And no I'm like, follow through. You, I've got to go because if I don't do it and I was with my brother, I've got five, I'm one of six boys. Oh my God. Really? I, yes. Holy smokers. So many, so many boys. So he had this uh, family holiday and we were in Vietnam. And I remember having this conversation with my brother and he's like, dude, you've just got it. He's like, you're so ready to go. And I've like, just watched you do it. He's like, let's just go. He's like, I'll back you. We'll get the money and we'll just go and do it. And what does your brother do? What's his background in? So he's a mate. So he's a sleep scientist, but (laughs) like studies people (laughs) sleeping. 
studies people sleeping and if you have trouble sleeping oh my god can i have his number please yeah (laughs) so good um and he has his own uh business called rem sleep and he uh treats and diagnoses people with sleep apnea and then sells them the equipment they need to fix it um so he's i'm gonna need that we'll be having another conversation after this (laughs) (laughs) um so he and he's one of these people he is so business yeah um and really driven by analytics and data and systems and processes in terms of that where my brain would be, be baffled. And, and he'd already been doing that in his own aspects that he, yeah. he knew how to imp- implicate that or whatever into your own business. A hundred percent. Amazing. Um, and where I'm totally people and I'm, he's terrible with people, terrible in terms of his, his rapport with people, but is amazing in terms of anything technical is insane. Um, so we balance each other brilliantly. So we have this sort of yin and yang where he lets me have the flexibility that I require. And he really enjoys doing like He loves coding and doing the website and Google analytics and making sure that our, how we're being presented to the public on Instagram is amazing. And he loves it. And he does that's all of that. that. And you have a he very does. cool Instagram. Like it's almost very futuristic, like with the mirrors and like, it's like a still image, but then the mirror is moving. It's like, it reminds me of this. There's this ride at Disney World. <laughs> you go on the courts and there's like things moving, but nothing around is moving. That's what your Instagram <laughs> reminds me of, but in a beautiful yeah. way. Well, when we first started Instagram, we were like, we, both my locations are, they're not on, they're not in shopping centers and they're not on strip shops. So we're standalone stores in back streets. Yeah. So, there isn't a huge amount of foot traffic to each. So yeah. we knew that modern day foot traffic is Instagram or socials, right? So I was totally. like, as long as we look amazing on the phone, no one's looking around them anymore. They're only looking on their phone. So as long as we look great on there, they'll come to us. And so true. They did. They came. So how did you go from this conversation <laughs> on family holiday? Like, did you, was- had you been saving for a long time, knowing that you were going to open this? Had you gone to the banks asking, did you have an accountant? Like, how did you go from mm. idea to buying? So we, yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, it was really fast. Um, it was really fast and we really underestimated how much money we would need. And we really underestimated the, the effort and the time that it requires to do it. But we secured something like, I think we thought we'd be able to do it for 35,000. So we secured 40. Yep. 40,000. As in a reno. So you're not buying the actual say building. It's just like, you're going to be renting Renting, from whatever. And you had in your head, $35,000 is what I'm going to need to renovate it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in your head, you think, cool. I need six mirrors, six chairs. I need, you know, two basins. How much can that cost really? Like who knows? Well, <laughs> it costs Spill a lot. It. I want to know everything. <laughs> yeah. So we, anyway, we, we secured that money. And then I remember thinking we got, we found the shop that, we'll, that we now own, but we leased it at the beginning. Yeah. And was um, that um, a salon? Like, were you looking for no. salons that were already fitted to a salon? Like say that they already no, have no, no, the no, plumbing no. and stuff like that done or anything? No. That would be a, that would be smart. <laughs> That would have been really fun. No, so I found this um, 
I found this amazing space in it's around the corner from my house and I found it by accident. And then I ran, I was running past it every day. It was a new development and then it came up for lease and it was, it was up for lease as uh, a mixed use. So it was, it was like a home office, okay. right? So it was two stories. I've been in, like, it's beautiful. When I spoke to the agent, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's got this mixed use title. So you can use it as anything, which wasn't true. Mm. and so we signed the lease for like you know five years or something and then went to, got an, a, a girlfriend of mine is my architect and she designed it and then I had to, went to the council and they're like oh yeah so you've got to, it's actually it's actually registered as a house so now you have to turn it into a commercial property so it's called a change of use okay which then that itself was about thirty thousand dollars without really? having anything and yeah. you have to do that like you can't not do you that. can't no, nah, you have to do it. So we were oh in my there. God. So there's your budget. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Great. Now you there's have this house. <laughs> yeah. So my brother remortgaged his house. OMG. Yep. And we took out like 200,000 and we're just like, if we're going to do it, we're just going to do it really yeah. well. And I think it was just a disaster. It was absolute disaster. That whole build was just like, one thing after another, I could talk about it for hours. It was just yeah. like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And then all of a sudden I got, I, I eventually got it open and it was. And did you have anybody working for you at that point or was it always going to be just you or like how? So I, had, I had, I went from, I had like one and a half staff, one full-time, one part-time and yeah. me. And within a month, it was like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I've got, so many people trying to get in. We couldn't accommodate people. The phone wouldn't stop ringing. It was just, it just. And how did that happen? Is that just because you were so personable at your old salon and you left and were shocked that people, that you had this really strong clientele or like what? So yes, I had, I had a, I had an amazing network of clients and it's something that I learned. I was, I, my intention was always to be, I was like, I don't want to leave that salon and I don't want to, message all my clients secretly. I don't want to be that person. And I had too much respect for my boss to do that. Yeah. Um, but what I found out very quickly is if people want to find you, they'll find you. And, and we're it's like, in the digital if, age where it's not very hard to search your name on Instagram and find you if no, they want you. Exactly. And it was, um, it was really fast from me leaving to then my phone just ringing and messaging and where are you and what are you doing and I was like oh my god which my old boss obviously was devastated yeah um but these you don't own the clients that's what I yeah. learned it's like unfortunately you don't you might like yeah. to think that you do but realistically you they're don't gonna own go the where they want to go <laughs> they're, they're their own people and um, how long did the build take? So say you finding the space how long before you were able to start generating revenue like a year and a half so wow. the, the reason, and, and like my new one I just did took 18 months and it was already a salon and I just renovated it because I, you still have to, like, I was at council for 12 months trying to get permits. And what does the council do? What are they, like, nothing. I don't know anything about this. So I want to know everything. Like, what are you going to council for? So you're going to council. You so I, I, oh my God, I wish. That would make life so easy. One um, of my girlfriends so, works so, for council. So it's like, I do know a bit because she's, she's like, I hate this job. Like I just ruin. I, so I'm a dream crusher. I'm a dream crusher. She's yeah. like, it's not my it's fault. Like it's you not my it. fault. They literally just say no. And then it's like, Why? okay. And like, <laughs> Why? 
Um, so were you off for, if you just said it, sorry, it took 18 months. So you resigned from your salon, had this idea, started it all, or were you working while you were building it? Like, how are you able to have that so, much time off? Take out $200,000. <laughs> my, my, my plan was to work. Okay. Um, while, while I was building and I got found out very quickly with what was happening. Um, it got leaked. Then yeah. so my boss found out about it and then she, I was pretty much gone. Yeah. Um, the day she found out, she was like, yeah, we're done now. Like relationship over, which yeah. is fine. Like if that's what it has to be, it has a stats, what it has to be. Yeah. I wouldn't be like that with my staff, but whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, then I had this empty shop with nothing in it. <laughs> but I had all, I had people wanting to come. So I converted my salon, my empty Richmond salon into this like temporary setup. So like a pop-up, like with a plastic sink plugged into a tap and two chairs. I went to Ikea and like set it all up. And then I ran this tiny little backyard hairdressing salon out oh. of the shop before it was renovated. Um, Cause you had Crazy. to like one, you were busy and the demand was there and two, you need the revenue. You yeah. need some so income. Really, and it, I need some income and I needed, yeah. And then it was really actually great that I wasn't working for someone because when it came to the build, I was really needed mm. and it was needed. I was needed there to be, to make decisions, give the okay on lots of things. And how did you find contractors hard. for it? Like, are there companies that specifically build salons or anybody can do that? Like another hard, hard question. And um, it's really hard. So no, there isn't. There's shop fitting companies that you can use, which is what I've used for my, my last building company who built Richmond actually doesn't exist anymore, okay. um, but they were just a big building company. Um, but a lot of pep, a lot of, cause there's so much detail, especially in my salons in terms of yeah. everything's custom, like everything is, there's not one thing in there they're that so isn't beautiful. like, they're pretty, but they take a lot of work to quote. So a lot of people, a lot of businesses won't even quote the job unless they're guaranteed. So it's like, because it would take them, say, maybe three weeks just to write, get out, get the quote to you. Like, they're not going to invest that amount of time to then be told, no, I've chosen someone else. So, really hard. And do your research on your builder. Like, that's really, really important. Yeah, so And make sure they have the right, right credentials. Because I've had, with my newest build, I actually had assigned a builder. And we'd gone through everything. He had like, we, I'd worked with him for months before the build and it came to getting the permit and he didn't have the right qualification to do the job. So then I had to go and get another builder. Uh, like it was just so, and that was my, like it was his fault thinking that he could get it through, but it was my fault for not making sure that he had the credentials to actually do the But work. these are the things like as hairdressers, why would I know that? And I think you, these are the conversations I want to have because people are afraid to take that leap because they don't know anything about construction. I don't know what the heck a council does or all these things. So having these conversations with people who have done it and being able to share your knowledge is so appreciated. Like, yeah, I think it's really, and it's, it's something that I would like, I think, I think you've listened to my podcast. It was something that I really wanted yes. to be able to give back to people and say, I wish I had this when I was just to take, even if you could take 10 10 notes and be like, we need to make sure we have these processes in line before we even begin and just know the questions to ask. It would make my life a hell of a lot easier. Well, I think your podcast is a great idea. And I listened to it all (laughs) yesterday. Like I loved it. And that's exactly like when I started coming up with the ideas, it kind of started for people who work for themselves and then people who got into education, like how did they come up with a curriculum or things like that. But these questions, I was like, what did you, what do you wish you knew beforehand? What's the biggest mistake you made? Like, 
How did yeah. you then be able to generate profit? And yeah, like all of these things I find so yeah. interesting. My biggest tip is research. It's like making sure that you know, like anyone can open up a hairdressing salon. It's, it's, not, a, it's not like hard to do, but it's knowing where you are in terms of what you want to attract and then what also is your competition and knowing how to beat that. And it's like, yeah. I had a haircut in every salon in Richmond secretly as an undercover. I was a plumber. Right. So I'd go in and they'd be like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a plumber. No one asked any questions from there. I was like, yeah, great. Spying around, looking at what they were doing, taking things that I loved that they did. And then also realizing that my competition in Richmond didn't exist. Kind well, of. At, at the time it didn't exist. I was like, if yeah. this is the level at, that they're coming in at, it's so easy for me to one, really service the clients and two, give them really beautiful hair. Yeah. Um, so I knew my demographic. And that's what it was also really good to know. So that would be like my number one tip is just knowing where you are and knowing what you're going in at and just don't go and open up a mediocre shop. Like go yeah. and make yourself. Take the really time. Great. It took you take a year over a year to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it takes, and you can't rush it. And a lot of, I remember from the minute I really knew that I could do it to it, wanting it to be open is you want to really rush that process because you want to reap the rewards of, you know, I want to be in there and cutting hair and making money and, you know, meeting, meeting people and creating culture. But, you know, prior preparation will always prevent a poor performance. And I really wanted to make sure that I was really, it was really ready and it was right and it was beautiful. And how did you go about picking staff? Like when you're in a place that you've taken out a big loan, how do you then start paying wages to people and deciding it's- what is appropriate to pay people like how do you how do you know that so i had you don't know that that's the thing um so i had a bookkeeper uh straight away from from the get-go and she i was like i want to always be able to i'm massive on fairness so i'm like i used to always look at how much money i was generating from four salons and then my pay and i was like it never really added up but yes that's that's a huge huge deterrent I think especially here in becoming a hairdresser is that the wage doesn't seem to balance like how so that's where I'm like but how do you go from a place where you've taken out a $200,000 loan or whatever however much money you've taken out to them being able to pay people how does that happen it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) but um I think because of the position I was in in terms of how much I was charging you know, and what the quality of work we were delivering yeah. to the level of stylists that I was hiring, we were able to charge more money in, in turn, being able to pay staff more money. Yeah. Um, but, it, and one thing I massively realized is how many expenses there are in just owning the business with that, which you actually don't see as a hairdresser. Like yeah. you're not paying everyone super, you're not paying a monthly tax bill of, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. You're not paying for everyone's insurance. You're not paying all these things. Yeah. So it's, hairdressers don't see that either so when they're like oh my god i'm making so much money for the salon and i'm only taking home you know this much it's like yeah you are making a lot of money for the salon but for that salon to actually operate yes is a huge amount of money and i got i got a real fright with when the bills start coming in they come in hot and they come in heavy and you're just like yes i've had an amazing week this week we've made thousands of dollars but even so my I've, i've i've got i've spent it all And that's something that I'm kind of getting from these conversations that seems to be a common point is that the profit isn't actually that massive when you are the business owner because you have the taxes, because you have the supers, because you have the product companies and all these things that it's almost like, 
why own your own business? Like, do you wish, like, uh, why do it? And it actually isn't about the money. Yeah. Like, it really, it really isn't. Because you could do a chair rental and you don't have any of this and make a killing as a colorist, right? Like, why, why do the business? I think it, I think it's about every different, I think it's about leaving a legacy and going, this is what I was really good at. This is what made me so happy. And this is a, like, when I look at my shops, it's a product of me and it's like yeah. to be able to put, and like, I love that for me, that's really important. Yeah. And I was like, I always wanted to create a really safe space and a really beautiful space. And when I look at it, I'm like, this mate, it's, it's literally me in a box. I love I it. I think so that it's, like, it's so, it's... and you feel it when you walk in the door. Like I said, I've been in there and you feel it. It's warm. It's inviting. It's happy. And you have too many staff. Like, not that you have too many they staff, don't... but you were busting they... at the seams. That's not common for a- I think a, you worked right? in there for a day, didn't you? Yeah, for a day yeah. I came in. I was looking for a new salon and you were like, okay, yep, I'm hiring. We're, we're going to hire you. It's amazing. We're doing it. And then somebody else is like, no, you can't hire her. You, you have 10 extra staff right now. She's not going to have a chair to work in. Like, oh. You didn't have a chair. No, there wasn't. It. We were like squished in like sardines and it was amazing. But it was just, you just have this really um engaging like I said personality and it seems like you do love it and it shows that you want these people to be happy and working for you and having the balance and all of these things that I think it goes to show that you have had too many staff and you needed to start another salon I remember you know when I have hindsight all the time and I was speaking to one of my clients who is a really good friend of mine and at the very beginning of the business and she said I hadn't even got a shop and she said whatever you do just make sure that you've got enough room to grow. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it'd be fine. And then she's like, seriously, Pete, just, I'm telling you, like, make sure you've got. Before you started space. the Richmond salon, she said this. Yeah. Okay. And then I got Richmond and she's like, you should have got bigger. And I was like, <laughs> I love Richmond because it is so intimate. I, that, and I never wanted to have, you know, that I don't want that massive 30 seater yeah. generic. Well, I want to be able to know my staff. I want to have be able to engage with all the clients. Yeah. I wanted it to be, I think hairdressing goes in waves of fashion. I think, you know, like there's those salons like where it is just like a one massive mirror and it seats as far as the eye can see. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want that for me. Yeah. I want personable. I want culture. I want all the staff to know each other and I want the clients to be able to engage with each other. Yeah. Um, so no, it was, but that was, I often have that moment of like Richmond grew so fast that I didn't have the space for it to yeah. grow. It was like, I still don't now. Like I'm literally before talking to you, I was, my girls are on the phone, you know, rescheduling people. And I'm like, Richmond's now has over 4,000 active clients. And how do we fit all those people in to this, this box with a lockdown and coming out and everyone wanting to be in there. It's like, it's a great problem to have. And I pinched myself thinking, you know, every time I refresh my email, there's 10 more emails saying we need an appointment. I'm like, that's like, this is the best thing ever, but it's also, I don't, I've got nowhere to put them. <laughs> and are you getting these clients? Like I know that you are very highly rated on Google. So how is that where you are getting most of your clients or social media? Or now it's that you have just created this amazing network of clients and you've attracted staff that have clients and now you're overflowing or how do you think that you've generated? I think it's a, com- I think it's a combination of things. I think when we first started, Instagram was really big in terms of generating a clientele and it was all like the, cause it was probably four years ago now, three and a half years ago. So it was 
massively influencer. Like if you had an influencer that generated heaps of clients. Now that sort of, that doesn't work as well now. It's like everyone's got an influencer. Yeah. You sort of don't get much. And a lot of people are aware that the influencer is just getting paid to post, like, you know, then they're posting all kinds of crap that maybe they do genuinely like your salon, but they're also posting. Exactly. Everything. Like, you know, like who knows what's (laughs) genuine anymore. Absolutely. So, but then I think that people don't, they only underestimate the power of Google and how you like, um, Google analytics and what it can show you about who's looking at you like is insane. Like we have upwards of 10,000 people look at our page on Google a week. And is that something that you've learned from your brother? Like that's what he does. So does he work for you or, or he works? We, we, he does everything that's behind the scenes in terms of all that sort of stuff. And it was more at the beginning, just getting it set up right now. He doesn't really have that much of an input, which is what he always wanted. He just wanted to really be there to support me and make sure that, we had all these things in place and he's mm. honestly, I, it's been able to be, to be able to have someone there to have great business conversations with and problem solve with has been amazing, but he is just a gun with that sort of, you know, making sure that your website links up with your Google so that everything just flows really well. And like we, we upload photos on Google, like we do on Instagram. Uh-huh. So that sort of that, that frequency is, is so important, but you know, like we're having like, Google tells you how you compare to other businesses like you in your area. And it's like, it's insane because we're so, people just don't take, people think oh, I've set up my Google page. Now it's done. It's like yeah. Google's like Instagram. You've got to feed it and feed it and feed it. And it just feeds you back. And, and is that back. to your website? When you say your Google page, is that just your website or you have like a literal no, so, Google? So if you, if you like, if you Googled Frankie salon, yeah, it would come up with like a picture of our salon. And then you can sort of go into that page and it will have like photos from the business owner, our operating hours, all that sort okay, of, a yeah, bit yeah, about yeah. us. Yeah, like when so you, like, go, I know what you mean, yeah. But it pretty much feeds people to your website, which then, you know, they feed to the book. Yeah. And because it's but so then, beautiful and so attractive and so warm, that's where you're getting most of your new clients from. Absolutely. And then as soon as you get, like, I think I said, we've got over 355 star reviews with no negative. So that's as soon as you amazing. read that, and do you think that, takes, do you ever get flack for that? Or people are like, you bought those or you, you know, do people you, say anything or no? Yeah, but sometimes, but you know what? They're, they're such detailed reviews that you can't buy them. It's like yeah. people have written essays and paragraphs about how their experience was and how they've been died. So as soon as you go on a bit of, as soon as you go down a rabbit hole of even looking and then you start reading, it's like, this is, we want to go. I want to go. Like no one's got anything yeah. bad to say about this place. Yeah. The day that, that that poor person that gets the three-star review will just be <laughs> fired. <laughs> so much pressure. Oh my God, I love it. And how did you come up with creating a second salon? Literally just because you were bursting out of the first one? Or was the goal so, to keep, like, is it, is the goal to kind of I've, keep going or what? The goal is to keep, the goal is five. Oh my God. Amazing. I've always had five, but I think, I think slow and steady is um, yeah. the way to go. Um, but coming across this one was an accident and it was like, it was a, it was a really funny day. I had taken the day off work um, and it was a Friday. And I remember, and I had gone out for breakfast with a girlfriend and I was driving her home and she said out of nowhere, Oh no, go down this street. I want to show you something. And I was like, okay, driving down. And then I saw the shop and she's like, this is like this really cute little old lady salon. And she's like, 
there's this little lady in the web. She's like, no one's ever in there. And I was like, I'm going to buy that salad. So she was taking you down there to show it to you? Just to show me because how cute it is. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I, and I'm like, I'm going to buy that salad. And she's like, shut up, Pete. You are not. And I was like, watch me. Parked the car. And I went in straight away. Go-getters. It's people I, who are go-getters. This is how stuff happens. Tell me. <laughs> so I walked in and I, she's like 75. And I walked in and I said to her, she's like, oh, how can I help you? And I'm like, I've got a really bizarre request. But if you ever want to sell this salon, yeah. I, it, I have to have it. I'm like, it, I, I, this is it. Like, I know this is it. And I was covered in goosebumps. I was like, oh, and I was like, I was, and I was like, I, I knew. How come? Like, just, I, just I, like, I just cause you've my... completely redone it. So what did you see that made you feel like that? Cause I was like, I, when we first had our, when we had Richmond, we had this criteria of what we wanted. So we wanted a standalone shop in a back street, parking available, great lighting, all these things. And as I saw it, it literally ticked all of these boxes that you me, had what previously I was, created in your head yeah. for you. Yeah. And was my subconscious going like this, you've already done this and this is it. And yeah. she said, cause it is so unique where it is. And she said to me, lots of people come in here wanting to buy this shop. Oh. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and she said, but I will, she's like, what's the, everyone wants to turn it into a cafe and I'll only ever sell it to a hairdresser. And I said, well, luckily for you, I'm a hairdresser. And a damn good one. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, oh, well, I haven't really, this is a bit out of the blue and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then she started just, rent, I was in there for like an hour and a half. My friend had Where to was your friend her still in the car? She's sitting, sitting in the car. She was, she had to walk home. She got out, I couldn't go. go. She walked home. Anyway. She just left you there. I, I was like, why would you? I was like, I can't leave. Like, I'm in this now. We're yeah. have, anyway, so she, ta- she took me through the whole history of the shop. And there's, like, photos of it with horse and cart out the front. And it used to be a butcher. And my dad was a butcher. So we had this, like, oh, just amazing everything's conversation. Everything's aligned, eh? Everything just, it all aligned. And then I said to her, you know, you don't need to make any decisions right now. But, you know, if you ever do want to sell, um, just let me Keep know. Me in mind, I gave her, like, my card. You know, a week later, she called. And she's like, just out of curiosity, how much would you pay? <laughs> and did you like, have an idea? Did you know? Had you talked to your brother had, at this point being like, I've gone and talked to this lady? Well, he, it was so funny. So I, he was traveling around Australia with his family. And I remember FaceTiming him. And I was like, I have found the next shop. And he's like, oh, show me. And he's like, oh, yeah, that, uh, it is amazing. He's like, yeah, that's it. I was like, great. And then we spoke about money. And I was like, I wonder, like, to base a, a figure on a business, you have to see its financials, see what it's yeah. making, see what its profit is, all that sort of thing. So I went to her and I was like, she, she said to me, how much would you be thinking of paying? And I said, well, I'll have to speak to your accountant and see, you know, how much money it's making and blah, 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 blah. She said, oh, okay, here's his number. And I rang the accountant and he's like, it's not even making enough money to be registered for GST which means it's making like, it's yeah. making nothing. Yeah. So he's like, and does she own the building it. or she? No. So she just okay. has rented it for the past 25 years. Okay. And she's only so ever it's worked just about herself. getting her off the lease kind of. And that's how you would. Yeah. I was literally, I was literally buying her out. Okay. Of, yeah. Of it. Um, 
so I had, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to be, I'm pretty much, I'm not, I'm not buying a business. I'm buying her out because I want the space. Um, So it's really hard to put a price on that. But I, I had a, and she got me to my last dollar. Like she was really good. Like I, I went in at half and then she came back and she's like, absolutely not. And I was like, all right. I'm like, here's my final offer. It's my absolute max. And she was like, I'll take it. And she took it. But she said, on the condition that I can come back and work for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she is. She's coming back. And I love it. I me. saw the post. <laughs> I think that that's so. But that just goes to show the type of person that you are, is that you are a genuine human being who has a heart and loves the, loves the backstory and loves that there is this relationship and this meaning behind it. Like, I feel like that's yeah. so you. It's been, um, I'm really excited. Like it's going to be, it's really special. Oh my really, gosh. really special. And every time I talk to her, I was so nervous because she got, she has like this whole network of old ladies that come in. Right. Which is like, very so opposite like, to your demographic, right? Your demographic to oh me. Oh my God. Like, it's just, <laughs> 20 to 40 now or something like that like 100 percent long balayage beautiful hair (laughs) (laughs) and hers is the opposite hers is like 80 to 100 short gray can i just come volunteer do you know that the only thing i was ever going to do besides hair was work with seniors but I don't even yeah, want to work. I just want to go hang out. Like I actually, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do the work. <laughs> I just want to go hang out. But I was so nervous about if she wasn't there and them coming in and being like, where's Mary and what have you done with her? That I would have this sort of negative impact. And I was yeah. like, I don't, I don't want that. I want it to be like, oh my God, Mary's still here. But there's this other guy that's taken over. And it was like, if, if I left my cell in enrichment after 20 years of being there, all my customers coming back, we're like, where is he? And what would you do? What have you done with him? If some yeah. like new, new thing took it over, they'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, Love that. But no, so it's very, very exciting. So she'll just continue operating through you and have her she's clients. Just gonna do it. And- yeah. She's just, uh, she's just going to rent a chair for a couple of days a week for like half, two half days is what she wants to do. Oh my gosh. Perfect. I have a question that I don't want to forget asking you. What is Frankie? Like, how did you, because every time when I first used to message you. Well, people think I'm Frankie. Every time. And I would write messages like, hi, Frank. Oh, shit, that's his name? What the hell is his name? And then I'm like, why is it called Frankie Salon when your name is Pete? Like, I've been dying and I don't want to forget the question. Why, how did you come up with that in the zebra? Like, what does it mean? So Frankie is my grandpa. Ah. yeah who we never met it's so good and he's my grandpa and then when we were named we we named the business together and it was real like we need to have like we were just throwing names around right we're like i had all these other like whatever like we seen would be cool and i was like whatever we do it has to have meaning to us it needs to be it needs to have some sort of connect it can't just be a random name it needs to have like something that is really important to us. I'm like, family's really important to us. I was like, great. And then we're going through like, my Nana is called Peg, who I was really close to. I'm like, maybe we'll call it Pegs or like something. That's, and I was like, that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> and then we were at this cafe and then my brother just said, my grandpa's Frank. And he's like, Frankie, what is like, that was his nickname. We'll just call it Frankie. And it's like, that it would be great. And it'll be like a legacy to him, even though he's not alive anymore, but then we're great. I was like, yeah. perfect. And it was done. And then... We in this cafe, and this cafe was sort of like um, it had like homewares as well. 
it was like this big warehouse and we sit at this table and behind my brother was this huge mural of zebras, right? So From like water. And I was like, and, and then, like, then we started talking about what our logo would be and whether it would be like a beautiful F or like, you know, how it would look. And I looked up and I was like, well, why don't we just have it as a zebra? Because we're in this cafe and that we will remember forever when we named it and where we were. So that's where the zebra came from. Oh my God, I love it. That's so interesting. Do people yeah. often call you Frankie? Always. Every time someone's come into the salon in South when I've been sitting in there, they're like, oh, you must be Frankie. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be Frankie. <laughs> Why not? But at least it's your grandpa. Like, I'd be cool if people started calling me Elizabeth, my granny, you know? Like, yeah. at least it's something yeah. meaningful than like, I don't know, something exactly. not. <laughs> exactly. Which is a random name. Yeah. Yeah. Clips and cones. <laughs> yeah. Are you clips? <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh my gosh. Well, I just think this has been so interesting and I'm just so happy for you. I can't wait to see it blossom. And like I said, to be going through, do you feel a little bit kind of glad that you've been going through the build during this time? Because I wouldn't be, I would have. I would have gone crazy. It's been the biggest Like it forced for you to, to be... not be at work. So all you've been able to do is do the build, been, right? And I, yeah. And I was there every day. I go there every day, meet the builders, take them coffee, run them through what we're going to do, get this schedule. And it's like, even though it's so small, there's so much, there's so much to think about. And it's yeah. like even dealing with electricity and gas and a new phone and FPOS and banks and, you know, real estate agents and all those things. And is it just something that once you're in it, you just figure it out? Like you're just 100%. Googling and through people and that's how you're kind of doing it? Yeah, you just, get, you just figure it out. Absolutely. But it's the most rewarding thing in the world. Like it's, I, it was really funny. I was with a friend this morning and he had been there from me finding it to we flew up to Sydney and met my designer and he got to see the brief as soon as we, we got it, which was like nearly two years ago. Oh and today God. I took him through for the first time and he was like, I am like emotional because it's been such a journey to go yeah. from paper, this drawing to all of a sudden a reality. And it's a really, I, I recommend it to anyone who's thinking about it just to absolutely do it. Like there's no, there's no way, find a way, get it done, but yeah. it isn't easy and be prepared to, cry and become emotional and not get your own way and have a really bad temper sometimes but also be like I'm super grateful that I've I've, I've always pinched my I often pinch myself it's like how am I even managing this and this is an unrealistic expectation when I was younger and now it is my reality so it's it's awesome I think it's incredible and I think it goes to show if you want it you can have it and if you're a good person Just good manifest, things come to you manifest 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, yeah, just get it done. And it's awesome. And that's what I do Even with my team. I'm like, all of us together, I'm like, for me standing up here and talking to you and guiding you on how I want you to be and coaching you to be the best hairdressers ever. I'm like, I often had this moment. Where I'm like, who the fuck is coaching me now? <laughs> <laughs> do you have um, a business coach or a mentor? Did you ever have someone through that? No. To help you? I had my like, brother. Yeah. Just my enough. brother. Yeah. And I had... I have, have had great bosses and I've had terrible bosses. And I think if you take all the good things, having a bad boss isn't a bad thing, especially yeah, if you want your own business. It just shows you what you don't you, want. How it makes you feel, what they do that you don't like, why you don't like it. But also having brilliant bosses who you take all of those amazing things that they did for you as well. And you just put them all into one and then add your little spin on it. I love it. 
Well, I think that so you good. are creating waves and I'm so excited. I'm going to come for a walk down to the shop one day and just check 100%. it out. I want to see all the old ladies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Make I sure I come on a day ladies. when there's a <laughs> when they're in, okay? Absolutely. You're more than welcome. And congratulations on everything you're doing as well. It's really ex- it's inspiring to watch other people that just start. And it's all, I'm all about a startup. Just like if you've got an idea, just make it happen. And even if it takes a year or two years or three years for you to get it where you want to be. Like it's much better than looking back and going, I wish I just had done that or tried. So that's what I think too. It's like, I just felt like I wanted to have these conversations for myself to navigate. I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I really want to be getting more into education or more just figuring out what is going to be the next step for me. And when are we ever going to have time off like this? So I was like, I'm just going to start talking to people about how they've done it. Like, how did you go from working in the salon to being a national educator on tour? And then it turned into business owners and chair rentals and all of these things. And my girlfriends were like, I'd love to know that. Tell me what they say. Like, and I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll record it. And if you yeah, ever ask me you... about podcasting or tech, I am not. That's not my forte at all. And the <laughs> fact that I'm doing it, how the hell am I doing it? It actually is surprising. So it's the same for you going into business. It just yeah. kind of snowballs and you figure it out if you want it. And if you really want it, then it, you do it. And you just say yes. You say yes to everything. Like even you, that was my, especially coming into this year, I was like, my business is at a point now that I love it. But if I want to take it to that, that point of being recognized by other hairdressers, I just have to say, because I've, I've always been given lots of opportunities by different brands. And I've always been like, I'm too busy or I don't have the time. But I'm like, now it's like, if I, wanna, if I want my business to grow and I want my staff to benefit, I just have to say yes and go and put myself in all those uncomfortable positions again and just do it. So but just say yes to things and then things happen. If you keep saying no, and then nothing's going to happen. So yeah. change equals change. Love it. And I think that is an incredible point to leave it on. And I'm so grateful for you. I know you would be so freaking busy doing everything and starting you. and opening. So I appreciate you taking the time and I reckon we could talk for hours about it. So maybe we'll have a part hours two and, and <laughs> check in and see how the new salon's doing. And I just really appreciate yeah. people like you taking the time and sharing their knowledge and inspiring the rest of us to follow our dreams. Go, go, go and get it. It's amazing. Love it. Thank you so much. Again, I've had a ball. (laughs) Yeah. I've just loved talking to you. I've loved it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Till next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the successful stylist unfoiled. Don't forget to follow like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.